The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Congratulations, congratulations are in order from Freddy the Trucker, Alessandra Wana here in Western Cape. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> Freddy the Truck Driver, thank you so much, my dear brother. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the service that you offered to the country in the logistics space. It's a very thankless task that you guys perform, more especially with the challenges that on this platform we've discussed. Probably not enough and certainly always room for that conversation. Please be safe out there and please keep supporting this wonderful station. SAFM, 87 years strong and very soon a 90-year-old baby. About less happy things, but very important nonetheless, let's please have a conversation with our first guest this evening, Reg Gorsi, Executive Director and Head of Research at First Source Money, a research and advisory firm specializing in money, banking and macroeconomics. You probably would have guessed then what the nature of the conversation would be. It's about finance, particularly the story that's gathering some momentum. Currency manipulation, collusion, and other corrupt practices. Is it really? Let's try and find out what it is exactly that we're speaking about when we talk currency manipulation. I want to understand what the word manipulation means. Is it necessarily a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Who benefits? Who is armed? In other words, I, I, I want to get my head around why, for instance, what they have done is bad and what are the sanctions for what they have done. Regent Gorsi, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. And Clegg, welcome to SAFM. We've never spoken before, so the privilege is mine to engage you this evening. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me, Songhe. So congratulations, by the way, <coughs> to add on to the... Uh, <coughs> They are uh, the the pilots who shouted uh, as you were landing or something like that. Congratulations! Thank Thanks so for having me again. Thank you so much indeed. Thanks for having us. Please explain to me, because in this case I'm very much in the dark. What is currency manipulation? And perhaps you might want to tell me what the value chain of currency manipulation is. Where does it start? Is it a conversation? Is it some fortuitous event that this triggers a chain of events? Who are the role players here? And what is the role of other stakeholders? Who are these stakeholders, the regulators, the associations, um, the institutions that govern those who are actually the protagonists? So from your response, generally speaking, one should be clear what currency manipulation is, who is involved, who is harmed, who benefits, who, if at all, has dropped the ball and who, from a regulatory perspective or a law enforcement perspective, therefore has a stake in what is called currency manipulation? Wow. <coughs> what a It's convoluted, I know. Take your, it? Take your time. Take your time. Yeah, thanks, thanks again. Uh, firstly, the, the phrase manipulation on its own may denote a bit of uh, uh, uncanny behavior with regard to any transaction, whether it's currency or, or, or something else. So when we say currency manipulation, it means somebody is sitting somewhere there doing what shouldn't necessarily be done, or even if it is being done, maybe overdoing it, maybe to their advantage, 
or to the disadvantage of some other groups and so on and so forth. But when we're talking about currency specifically here and the RAND as we speak, we have essentially three key players. Mm. The first is the client of a bank. So uh-huh. the bank is a second person. <clears throat> All right. And then the third person is another bank who regulates banking and foreign exchange transactions. Mm-hmm. That regulator in that case, or in this instance, is the Reserve Bank. Mm-hmm. So the Competition Commission is not party to these uh, persons who are supposed mm-hmm. to be involved in the manipulation or monitoring or mm-hmm. checking these transactions. Mm-hmm. Now, what normally happens here, first and foremost, is that a bank, a commercial bank, for example, may be asked by you and me as a client to maybe buy some dollars or whatever currency, okay? And based on that information, they may say, oh, okay, Mr. Nkosi is trying to buy some currency. How much? Say a million dollars or whatever, mm. all right? This guy is very rich. And then they begin to say, okay, million dollars. All right, so how can we help him? Now, again, the banks differentiate between a person, an individual, and a juristic person, mm-hmm. a company. Mm-hmm. All right. So these persons are treated differently in the banking setup, mm-hmm. in the sense that the person like you and me are given a, a desk that talks to small transactions of ours, which they cannot easily manipulate. Mm-hmm. Okay. There isn't much manipulation there because, I mean, you're dealing with maybe a rand or two and so on and so forth. Yet, if I were to say Transnet, for example, who would be dealing multi-million rands, then obviously the bank uh, places Transnet separate from you when it comes to trading this currency. Perhaps I should say not that Transnet has done anything in the context of currency manipulation. It is merely an example given the nature of the transaction Transnet is inherently involved in by virtue of its mandate, yes. Absolutely. I'm just giving an example. So, like in this instance, you and me are not actually involved in in here. I know about me. (laughs) Okay, me as well. So, yes. um, So, what happens in this instance then, the bank uh, may on its own, sometimes the bank may use its money, all right, Mm. to enter a transaction and begin to depress a currency. So they may say, all right, uh, Bank A wants to enter a transaction, but it may even ask another bank to assist it. So that when the first bank throws a dice as to where, plays plays, uh, onto the market or enters the market, another bank may enter the market to as if to support this particular bank. All right, and another and another. So together, they may end up breaking this particular currency, whatever resistance level it might have, it was at, to a new level. What does it mean to enter, as you have said? Well, essentially, is to trade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the bank A may be trading, say, a million dollars. Okay, and may ask bank B to trade some other, you know, amount. Mm-hmm. And the more you trade, the more you disturb this currency. Mm-hmm. The currency may be depressed as a consequence of so many people tra- trading. A currency may actually be overvalued or undervalued, depending on which way they're trying to play it. I see. 
So <clears throat> in the process, what really happened here is that all these banks somehow colluded over a period of time. Okay, not all of them at once, at once like today, no. Another set would come in tomorrow and so on and so forth. They could be alternating. Mm. Their primary purpose is to make a profit, a quick buck, out of trading this particular currency. Now, again, let's, let's go back. There are two types of trades. Mm. There's what we call onshore trading and offshore trading. Mm -hmm. Onshore trading is where the domestic banks engage in this particular trading of, the, of this currency. Mm. Now, here on the onshore banking, the Reserve Bank has got significant monitoring power. Because, mind you, the jurisdiction of this reserve bank is the South African banking system or within the Republic. Mm -hmm. Now, it, when it comes to offshore trading, very often the reserve bank pulls itself off. And these players out there, like about standard, standard Chartered Bank, you know, whatever, they can play quite freely without uh, the reserve bank even knowing. To the extent extent that this happens, some countries have in fact onshored this foreign, for this offshore trading so that they can monitor the transactions <clears throat> that takes place offshore with a view to ensuring that there isn't any currency manipulation at all. So in our case here, we do not know whether this transaction was an offshore transaction. I've not read it or whether it was an onshore transaction or transactions were onshore or offshore. But even then, you know, there is a way in which a reserve bank can monitor, if you so wishes, these offshore uh, trading um, activities. It can in fact uh, <clears throat> arrange one or two or three or so banks, domestic banks to be party to the offshore trading uh, schemes. Through them, they can actually pick up who is depressing the rent, who is doing this and that to the rent and so on. Could a bank say because no it's if quite... they are so targeted by the Reserve Bank? In other words, it sounds like a spot check to me, to use common language. Could one say, no, I don't want to participate in the scheme, a bank that is, a local bank? Oh, yeah. They're, 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 well, in terms of manipulating, manipulating the currency? No, no, in other words, if you say the Reserve Bank would have the kind of open, close quote, facility to establish a scheme to say, let's see what's happening in the foreign or in the offshore market here with your transactions. Could that so targeted bank say no? Because it read very much unlikely. OK, OK, I'm with you. In other words, it's compulsory. Once very you're very much unlikely. In other words, it's compulsory once you are identified by the Reserve Bank. Well, remember, one other thing that perhaps we don't know is banking per se as a business mm -hmm. is a public good. Very well. Public good in the sense that it, the act of, you know, the creators of money, these persons, and money is a creature of state. Yes. All right. To the extent that money is a creature of state, therefore, it's the state that controls, therefore, this we, the people, license these banks to do work on our behalf, on behalf of the state. So banking is supposed to be a public good. It's unfortunate that even this government does not seem to understand this, this point.
that the art of creating, the art of banking, should essentially be done by state itself. However, it licenses, all right, individual companies mm. called banks to do activities on its behalf, on behalf of the state, on behalf of the people. Mm. A trans, I mean, a, a business that is essentially a state business. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, the Reserve Bank has got significant powers to interfere, to intervene, to monitor, and so on, all these transactions. Very well. That it was not able to tell us then, it, it shocks me in a way. How does and that the competition... Sorry? Sorry, and the Competition Commission, I think that's an important point to continue. Well, that the, the Competition Commission had to come in you know, it's, 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 it's a bit far, you know, but of course they've got jurisdiction in my view. Uh, I think the court did uh, say that they have jurisdiction. But as a regulator, the Reserve Bank is the one that should actually be monitoring all these transactions. That's very, very easy for the Reserve Bank to do that. Has it done anything? I've not, I've not read at all. Why not? Why would it not do anything? Well, <laughs> so <good. laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know why. In, in other but words, in my view, they should. Why? Sorry? Why would it not? I mean, if there's a currency manipulation, I don't understand it to have been a series of transactions. This bank going in to trade with a million, and another one with ten million, and another one with X amount of million all encouraged by the other as opposed to just a straight trade because it felt there was an opportunity to trade here. Why would the Reserve Bank in this case not act? In other words, would this not be a trigger of some sort, whatever the sort is? Uh, absolutely, it should. So, so, so why would it not? In other words, is there a reason why typically it wouldn't? Well, there wouldn't be any reason actually for the reserve bank not to come in because mind you that's part of its mandate it's supposed to know when you begin to depress a rand you're essentially causing inflation you're essentially increasing the interest rates you're essentially increasing the debt of the country you're essentially you know uh, uh, not you are inducing an economy not to grow as a consequence so all the so many disadvantages of a currency being manipulated and a reserve bank has got direct interest, significant interest in ensuring that there should never be such a thing. Hence, it is empowered to monitor transactions of this nature. And that it did not, or if it did, we do not know, then it should have alerted us or should have actually punished these institutions a while back. It should have monitored them, even if they were offshore as it were. There are ways in which our reserve bank can cooperate with the British Reserve Bank, for example, an American Reserve Bank, and, and so on and so forth, to check back like, on all these transactions. This sounds like very much the undermining of our national sovereignty. We're going to take a couple of calls following this conversation that I am currently having, and it's so enjoyable, really, so enriching the education that this offers me, Mr. Reg Ngorsi, ED, Executive Director and Head of Research at First Source Money. This is a research and advisory firm specializing in money banking and macroeconomics. The time is 2029. I have another 10 or so, 10 to 15 minutes left of this conversation. Please do participate if you're so inclined. 086 2032 is the number to call. Alternatively, 0614-104-107 is the number that you have for the WhatsApp. After this very short ad break, we are going to go to callers.